from the Missing Persons Podcast Network. What happened to Zach? This is Julie. Julie, Julie is um, a very good friend. Her son, Cam, and Zach were best mates. Oh, great. And um, Julie's been on this journey along with me. Um, you know, every search, every event. For me, when Zach's friends still turn up nearly three years later at my door just to drop in and say, hey, Kaz, how you going? And each time they do that, they bring a little bit of Zach with them, like we'll have a conversation about something stupid he did or something they, you know. And um, it shows me what his friends thought of him. These people are still remembering, you know. So he obviously had an impact on lots of people. Some of Zach's mates, I think, just the most beautiful bloody humans I've ever met, you know what I mean? The, coming around to see me, mum, they message me, you know what I mean? Like, mates I don't see every day, and it's been three years, they still message me going, hey, mate, how's your work going? So I think in both aspects, me and friends are the only thing to get you through this sort of thing, you know? The family, it's given, but it's really awesome to see. It's real hard as well, especially when... The last birthdays have been like kind of milestone birthdays, but, you know. Well, I'd been looking forward for years for him to hit. So it's it's awesome, and it's also a kick in the nuts at the same time. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. Twice a year we lose it as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, May is when Zach's birthday is yep. and November is when he went missing. So we just sort of recover from one and then we get smashed. On Zach's birthday, what, what do you do? So um, it's a day that obviously it's quite hard for us, but it's an opportunity to create exposure again and, and um, hope for more information to come through. Uh, and we try to sort of link it with a, a bit of a cause as well. Last year we had um, Headspace involved um, and, and this year was more of a fundraising event for the coming coronial inquest that we're hoping to, to get. The first year we had 300 people turn up and that was certainly an eye-opener because we thought that we were the only ones suffering. Um, It was our kid and our family and our problem. And we sort of thought that if we had this birthday party that Zach wasn't at, if he, all the photos and um, if that all went on Facebook and if Zach was out there, he'd go, all my friends miss me, I've got to go home and he would know that it would be safe or that if we didn't get a reaction, something's wrong. But when we were sort of just going through the process of this birthday, and, and Cody, you'll see it on a video on Facebook. We all knew Zach, right? He catches the whole room and, and Zach's personality. This is all he'd ever wanted for a birthday, and for you all to be here, from him, man. Holy shit, thank you to everyone in this fucking room. Yeah. Yeah. 
But he'd be fucking wiping his tears with his dreadies right now. But I just really want you to understand, really just, you would have made that everything. And thank you so much. The room broke down and when I thought that we were the only ones hurting, the kids, the youth, like there was hundreds of them there, to see them hugging each other and and crying about Zach, it didn't impact us only, it impacted the community. And um, it showed there was a real need, like no one was counselling these kids. Um, no one's helping them, you know, like they're all 18, they're all 19, they're all in this stage, like, you know, who's going to help them? Like who helps them through their grief and, um, you know, and, and I was the strong one that night. I'm hugging all these kids and, and being that mum and going, it's okay, you know, drop in and see me. But they offloaded and even with Mick, um, Mick was really against having this birthday. He thought it was such a silly idea. Why would I do something? And um, for all of Zach's friends and um, the community, total strangers, to acknowledge him and say, mate, we're thinking about you and made him feel part of it. And for the first time, him and my eldest son, Jared, broke down and hugged each other and you know, cried and, and let that out. And it was like, this is real. We're really going through this. So I just thought from what I've seen there, not only to try and continue to help define Zach, but there's got to be another way we can help the kids in the meantime and, um, you know, raise awareness of mental health with the kids as well. And then the second birthday, we did a similar event. It was just an open event. Whoever turns up, come. It's Zach's birthday. And again, all the kids come. And tragically, there was another girl that was of Zach's age that went to Maitland High and she had taken her life by suicide and her funeral was the same day as Zach's birthday. So you can imagine the double bash of grief where kids were grieving their friend that took their life and still missing Zach. And then this year we we had a, a black tie event for his 21st birthday and um, we tried to acknowledge the other missing people and we had a table of 10 of other missing people so we had an as a statement an empty table with a four plaques with a face and their story on the back so it looked like they were sitting at the table but nobody was was there While the police investigation into Zach's disappearance is still very much ongoing, Zach's mum is also searching for answers, which she hopes may come through a coronial inquest. Helping her achieve that, her work colleagues who are helping raise $100,000 for legal fees. We're prepared to do whatever we have to in order to get Karen the resources that she needs to get her the answers that anyone would want under those circumstances. When I heard that was going to happen, I sat in the car for 10 minutes crying, pull myself together, <laughs> think, I can't believe that they would do this for me. A lot of people question why would we raise money for a coronial inquest. 
A coronial inquest is generally free, but often they have a body to tell the story. And we've only got um, information that comes through and we may have to fight that information. And if that's the case, well, then we need legal representation. So people didn't understand that. My name is uh, Robert Myers. I'm a, a barrister practising in uh, Brisbane. So a, a coronial inquest is based on probability supported by fact. You see, by the time you get to the coroner's inquest, all of the statements have been prepared and all of the people that are relevant, and I'm not talking about everyone that's got a bit of a theory on how, what might have happened to him, but all of the people that saw him, you know, the day before, up to that evening, and she'd have a right to appear and to cross-examine witnesses and, uh, and all of the evidence would come out. And if it was correlated really well, well, it would be easy to go, yeah, I think that happened, close the case. If he makes the decision and you don't like it, you'd take the next step. You can obviously appeal the decision by going to... You'd probably get a judicial review. Under the Judicial Review Act, you go to the Supreme Court and, uh, and say, look, we think there was sufficient evidence. But um, there'd have to be sufficient evidence. How are you raising money at the moment? So we have a GoFundMe page, Find Zach Barnes, and we've had the 21st fundraising event and we raised $7,000 from that night. But a barrister can cost us $10,000 a day if, you know, depending on how, how involved. I mean, the brief might be an exercise book and it might be five, you know, telephone books thick. So we don't know what we're up against until, and that's what we're just trying to get to that point. So that's what this birthday was all about and, and as a tribute to remember him and it was just so heartwarming. It meant, meant everything that they made an effort and total strangers turn up and support it. Um, Michaela and Mia, Zach's little sisters, um, they quietened the room. They sang a song for Zach and they sang the song um, Hey Brother by Avinci. And, yeah, it, everyone had sparklers on the table. And, yeah, the room was just silent and full of tears as these two little girls <laughs> bounced around on stage and were so proud to sing for their brother. Lots of rumours and theories have been talked about when it comes to the case of Zach Barnes. I wanted Karen to respond to some of those, like the rumours around Zach's money situation at the time he went missing. He did owe somebody money um, and that was another friend of his who was of similar age and that has been addressed with that person and they have been fully cooperated with the police it wasn't a large amount of money and this person wasn't concerned about the money um, knew Zach was good for it so there was going to be no one coming after him to um, collect or or anything like that so on the Tuesday, he was very agitated. And I said, do you need money? And he's like, yes. So, and it was only a small amount. It was like $1,000. So my question immediately would be, if you don't get this money, are you going to be in danger? Is somebody going to hurt you? you know, like, because I'd rather give him the money than spend 10 grand getting his teeth fixed or, or something like that. And his direct response to me was, I'm not going to get hurt, but my friend will. So it makes me wonder, was he trying to help somebody? That's 
my theory because we agreed to give him the money and he had the money. He had it when he went to work. He was giving it to whoever on Friday and we didn't know who at that point because he was being a bit guarded. After Zach went missing and during her own discovery, Karen found out he seemed to have been in his work clothes all weekend, something that felt a little off to her. He left work on Friday in his work clothes. He went missing on Sunday in his work clothes. Now, Zach, he liked things orderly. I mean, he started to get this hippie look going on that made him look a bit grungy and scrungy, but he boiled his toothbrush. Um, He liked things orderly. He would not have stayed in the same clothes all weekend unless he thought it was all the one day, if you know what I mean. He was definitely having a big weekend. And, and, and you know, why I question and doubt, and like, because I question everything. Like, when I was questioning about the clothes, what clothes did he have on when he went missing? And then realised that the same clothes that he had on on Friday, and then that no one was talking about this big fun weekend that they were having it made me question why was he still in the same clothes because Zach would have had a shower and he would not put dirty clothes back on. So he would have said to his mate, give me some clothes. You know, they share clothes and whatever and he should have been in his friend's clothes but he was in his own clothes. And when I casually questioned um, the friends that he was with, I said, did Zach sleep on Saturday night? And they said, yes. And then I just asked the question, did he have a shower? And they said yes. So that sort of sent a red flag to me. What did Bree say she saw him in? In his work clothes. So the other people told me he got changed into his work clothes on Sunday. Zach was last seen wearing a faded blue singlet, dark blue board shorts and work boots. Which is the same clothes he wore. When I drove him to work on Friday. There was some talk that Zach fought with his mum then lost his job on Friday, so was afraid to go home that weekend. I asked Karen, was there a fight? No. When this girl went to and seen Zach and offered him a lift home, because Zach said no, the police are seeing that as confirmation. Well, he must have had an argument with his mum and if he hadn't have, he would have got in the car and gone home with her. So he must have wanted to stay away. And my question is, well, maybe he was rude to Bree because she may have been in danger and he wanted her gone. I hope he was protecting or protecting himself, maybe. I'm not sure. When your 18-year-old son goes missing and there are no clear answers after a long period of time, you resort to any means necessary to find out what happened. Over the last three years since Zach went missing, Karen has received information from all sorts of places. I'm not chasing the psychics. The psychics are coming to me. I believe in God. Um, We're Christians. I have my own particular faith. But then I'm challenged by this psychic realm, which I don't want, you know, believe in. And, like, it goes against everything I have faith in. But I've been in positions where I've had people come to me with information that they could not know. None of this is public. 
Um, and one particular event was I was selling a house in Cessnock. Um, it wasn't even under my name. It was listed in one of my colleagues' names. Um, so my name was not there. So no one could have just turned up. This lady came back who bought the house and she bought a friend with her. And he kept staring at me. He eventually came up to me and said, um, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I have to tell you something. And um, I went, okay. He didn't even know my name. And then he said that he sees things and he's gifted. And um, he said, well, I have to share something with you. And he said, um, there's this boy and he's been coming to me for the last week. He's so strong-willed. <laughs> And he's scary. And I said, well, what does he say? And he goes, he's like, he harasses me. He says, you've got to tell my mum. You've got to tell my mum. And he just comes back saying that all the time. And then um, this goes on for days. And then the guy says, what do you want me to tell your mum? You know, are you dead? Are you a spirit or whatever? And he says, tell my mum I didn't commit suicide. And this was the talk roughly happening at the time. So this was back in January, February this year. And then he goes, he tells me things. And I said, oh, what? And he, and he starts describing this boy. And I was sort of expecting him to be describing the image or whatever he's seeing, but he, he starts describing the dark hair and the olive skin and the dark eyes, and he's very defined. Like I'm thinking... He's describing Cody, Zach's brother. Before I could actually say anything to him, he goes, does the name Cody mean anything to you? He had my attention at that point. I said, it's funny you say that because I was just thinking you're describing my son Cody. Um, and he said he's worried about him. He keeps saying, um, look out for him. He's, you know, watch him. And Cody had been quite traumatised through the whole experience. And sometimes I would wonder... Was Cody going to hurt himself, you know, because the grief was just all all too much? And um, and I just went, oh, okay, and then I sort of confirmed that Cody was sort of very vulnerable. And then he goes, he shows me stuff. And I said, well, what does he show you? And um, he said, I can see him getting into a grey car. It was a silver car he got into. That's not public knowledge. Um, and I, he goes, he got in the car, and I said, yep, and he goes, and I see him running from the car. And, like, I've questioned that, and I said, okay, you know, and he goes, but he gets in the, he gets in the car again. I said, is it the same car or a different car? And he goes, I don't know, but he gets in a car. And then he said, he can see him in a house. I can see he's in a house, and there's three people there, and then he describes a man, 37 to 40. He's very descriptive again. And I've heard this three or four other times about this man, 37 to 40, from other people with random stuff that they've sent. And then he said, I can feel him. And his, his heart is racing 100 mile an hour and he's saying in his head, um, I don't want to be part of this. And then he, this guy says, he starts saying, I'm not like my dad. I'm not like my dad. His dad got into heroin and stuff, like never a dealer or anything, but as an addict. And that's why I know he's not a drug addict because he hated his dad for that. And I'm thinking, this guy could not know that, you know? And then I said, well, what happens next?
what happened to Zach. If you have information that could help police, call Crime Stoppers on 1800 333 000. A Missing Persons Podcast Network production. Produced by Mark Hales. Sound design by Tiffany Dimack. Hosted by Jay Walkerton.